what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I have on the line from a social distance apart late, Camo. Camo. What'd it do? What? Just the West, how, uh, how, how, how far is that distance, that social distance? Because to me, you know, we can never be too far apart. Oh, I, I can appreciate that sentiment, Camo. One, it's, one at moment. Least six, it's, at least, it's at least six feet, right? Uh, at least six feet. So for those that don't know, I, I live in Berkeley, California. Uh, Kevin lives in Seattle, Washington. And uh, while we both did live in the Bay Area at one point in time, uh, we are definitely social distancing right now. And actually, uh, if anything, by the government, this is highly encouraged to do a, a podcast in the midst of a shelter in place, in the midst of a soft quarantine. Am I right, Kamo? It is. It's interesting, too, that... You know, California is definitely self-quarantine and kind of progressing. Though Washington has not yet uh, issued that kind of mandatory shelter in place, even though most people are kind of doing that here, uh, which is interesting since we were kind of the epicenter of all the uh, the original deaths and such for this for the coronavirus. So yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's coming in the next week. But as of today, uh, you know, we could still you know go outside and shit. But uh, you know, it's a uh, it's coming. I mean, I can go outside too, but only for es- essential activities, which is groceries, essential. car maintenance, and um, like walking my dog. You know, and so it's important. It's yeah. in- it's important. I actually did did walk my dog today. I went went around the track field and kept my social distance. But no, it's been uh, okay. Well, it's been like I think what day? Technically, it's been the official shelter thing since Monday, so it's like you know, it's like day four. So, yeah. it, it, without further ado, let's do this pod. Okay, it's let's been it. it's been a, it's been a couple of uh, days of self quarantine, um, and I've been uh, kind of bouncing off the walls. And having said that, thank God for the NFL. Thank God for the Just the West <laughs> NFC West of the off season because Monday, the start of this week, was actually the official period where teams could talk to you know players and their representatives and talk business talk shop talk off-season nfl football because this past wednesday is the first day of the nfl calendar year the new cba is now in place and as of now um the calendar is the same as it was in any other year Uh, i think otas are delayed suspended until further notice for obvious reasons for activities but in terms of the nfl draft nfl signings trades uh that is still in full effect yeah for sure i mean i'd say with all major sports essentially shut down for an indefinite amount of time it was kind of nice to have some some a lot of major activity going on especially in the nfc west so i know we'll get to a lot of the big major major transactions and such but yeah you know just giving us something to kind of talk about and uh and kind of look forward to for when football does come back yeah no that, that's right and actually you know the cool thing about just the west and the nfc west is uh, a lot of the moves in uh the nfl at least has from a trade perspective it it's been dominating the presses it's been the nfc west deandre hopkins um you know deforest buckner a lot of movement within the division. I mean, I know I spoke about it in the last pod, but, you know, I know you used to live in Arizona. The thought of Kyler Murray pairing up with Larry Fitz, Christian Kirk, um, to have De- DeAndre Hopkins on that roster, I mean, um, what say you about that? 
Yeah, man. I mean, when I saw that, I, I was just my initial thought was like, what are what are the Texans doing? Arguably, you're getting, you know, I would say uh, top one, if not top two, wide receiver in the whole league. Um, for I mean, what did they end up getting giving up? Like, a, they gave up a second and a fourth rounder and a shitty contract in David Johnson, uh, a player yeah. that they were trying to get rid of. Actually, like, if anything, yeah. they would have given draft capital. To, for some other team to take his services because uh, he's due $20 million in guaranteed money and he's coming off a couple of down yeah. years right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's 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 crazy. And like what you said, like what you said um, just more we- weapons for Kelly Murray to, to use. I mean, obviously, Fitz is an icon. He's long in the tooth, but he's still serviceable. Christian Kirk had a had a, had a big year last year and, and definitely going to continue to grow. So. Um, definitely a lot to kind of be um, to kind of look forward to in, in the desert there. Exactly, and then uh, conversely, I mean, after one blockbuster trade was followed by another. Uh, Eric Armstead was signed to five years in '85, and everyone was like, "Yeah, that's great," mm-hmm. uh, but hmm, that's a lot of money on the defensive line. And so John Lynch was like, "I got you covered. I'm going to trade the fourth spot there, <laughs> who has been." wildly popular in in san francisco wildly productive and and durable and everything that you want out of a player but they traded him for the 13th overall pick and um you know obviously uh from a big picture perspective they save a lot of cap they now have two first round draft picks they have a lot of flexibility in the long term but it still sucks to lose a player of his caliber um I mean, what's yeah. you to that, man? <laughs> yeah, no, when I saw that, I was – because I remember Armstead, was it last year when he was literally on the cusp of, you know, if they're going to keep him or not because he was not kind of living up to his draft status and then he started emerging. Uh, I mean, this year he had a, obviously had a huge year. He should have been a pro bowler. He wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, DeForest Buckner, I, you know, I, I thought that they were going to keep those two guys. I understand the money part. It had been too much to afford both of them on the defensive line. But again, yeah, I would say a little disappointing. I mean, I understand the I understand the move. Uh, you know, I think a lot of Niners fans would have like probably preferred to have Armstead be on the on the move and kept kept Buckner. But again, if we give us gives us the two first round picks and especially the the uh, the capital because now they're paying to force Buckner what twenty one million per year, making him second highest paid defensive player. Is that right? And that's the thing. The Colts are going to give him twenty mil per season. So yeah, right. Aaron Donald gets 22, 23 mil. Yeah. So he's right there. He's right behind him. That's crazy. Um, but again, do you think that the Niners, I, I feel like, I don't think they're going to keep both those first round, first round picks just because do it, they don't even have a second, third round pick. Is that right? I'll be intrigued. That's, they don't have a second. They don't have a third. They don't have a fourth. They right. have two ones and a fifth. So. Right. I can definitely see them, you know, making moves there, swapping that, maybe moving moving up for a guy they like and getting some more more picks for for one of those first rounders given the scenario and as much as it sucks and trust me you guys it 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 sucks but it makes a lot of sense it's just it's like i don't i don't know it it feels like the monte ellis trade where everyone loved monte ellis and give a a flying shit about you know andrew bogut but it was for the good of the team and um, I don't. I won't say it's like apples to apples, but uh, it's that will be the analogy I'm going to use. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just it's it's good for the team. So those are the two blockbuster trades that happened on Monday. 
let's talk about some more drama within the NFC West. Okay, Camo? Sure. So, you know, it was... I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Todd Gurley signed a four-year, $57.5 million contract. Uh, by far the highest paid contract for running backs. And that was to set precedence for uh, running backs to come and, and whatnot and get compensated. Uh, but what has happened since then? You know, Todd Gurley hasn't been the same player. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl two seasons ago. And Todd Gurley wasn't that same player. And this past season, you know, he was... I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks about his, you know, his durability and his workload. And so Thursday was a very important day for the Rams front office organization to, to make a move because um, if they kept Gurley past Thursday, it would have kicked in his $5.5 million base salary. It would have kicked in his $5 million roster bonus. And so Todd Gurley would have a $17.5 million hit on the salary cap. So you know what they did? You know, since Monday they were looking to trade him. A second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. I don't I don't know, but they couldn't find any mm-hmm. suitors because of all that guaranteed money. Um, so you know what they did, Kamo? What did they do? They cut him. I can't believe <laughs> it. They they cut Todd Gurley. They cut Todd Gurley, one of the most productive running backs in his first five seasons in the league. Um, they cut him, man. And from that the Rams now have about $20 million in dead money. Obviously, this is a move that uh, did not work out for them. And, you know, right now, Daryl Henderson is going to be their number one. And, yeah, I, uh, I'm i taken aback. I just yeah. I, I just can't believe it, you know? <laughs> it is, yeah, when I saw that come across today, I, I, I mean, even earlier this week when I was hearing rumors about trade i was like oh really they were thinking about trading him and i'm i'm surprised that there were no offers that they found enticing enough to you know i understand his base salary and such but still this is talking about talking about one of the most productive backs in the last five years like you mentioned no one wants to touch his contract that's what i'm saying though yeah it's crazy yeah i mean obviously clearly he's going to be picked up probably by uh i don't i mean who knows at this point by the bucks to join tom brady that's where he's gonna go shit that'd be crazy yeah i mean you know crazy things have happened but um it's uh yeah i mean la they're just like you said two years ago we're in super bowl and now they are in total rebuild mode um they shipped off during the year a lot of their key defensive acquisitions they had um, you know, they're not the, definitely not the same team. I, I would definitely say Sean McVay is on the hot seat, if not already. Um, you know, kind of, you know, Jared Goff. He still they gave him the hundred million dollar contract. He's still kind of ho hum about about his status as one of the elite quarterbacks. And it's funny how a team who was number one in the West two years ago is, especially after Tade, now clearly on the bottom. Now that you know Arizona has clearly stepped up. Niners are, have just just barely lost in the Super Bowl, and um, uh, you know the uh, who am I forgetting? The Seahawks, you know, are you know they're still going to be in the mix. They're, yeah, they're still, still in the mix. Yeah, still yeah. Thirteen games, still still Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, made some made some some kind of uh, pretty good transactions this week as well. So it's right. uh, it's interesting. Well, to your point, are they really in a rebuild? Because here here's the thing. Um, they still have most of their, their key players. Uh, let's talk about some of the other things they, they did too. They, they re-signed Andrew Whitworth to a three-year deal, so they have their tackle. 
they re-signed Austin Blythe. He'll play the interior. Um, but they did pivot, though, meaning that they did recognize that all these big signs they did the last couple years, uh, yeah, they made some mistakes along the way. And uh, I'm sure uh, I wouldn't be the first to, to say that because not only did they release Todd Gurley, they released Clay Matthews. Not only did they release Clay Matthews, they released Eric Weddle. And mm-hmm. they let Michael Brockers go. They don't want to pay him. He went to the Ravens for three years, 30 mil. Um, Dante Fowler, they let him go elsewhere. And so they, I don't know if they're necessarily rebuilding, but they're pivoting. And they signed Leonard Floyd, uh, who is a pass rusher, former first-round pick from the Bears. They signed him to a very similar proven deal in which they did that to Dante Fowler a couple years ago to one year and $13 million. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're still in the mix. They're just, they just have to recognize that, hey, you know what? They're going to have to pay a lot of money to Jalen Ramsey and a couple other things where they, you know, for them to sustain this roster, uh, they got to make some tough moves. I mean, they're in the mix, but do you, do you foresee this team being over? I mean, I, 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 I can see them at, 500 May, yeah I don't see them beyond eight wins I I think it's a good time to to buy right now but buy them on the low really? because right now obviously they didn't finish too high and you know the the, uh, the public opinion isn't too high obviously with Gurley released and, and whatnot but you know I do give Sean McVay the benefit of the doubt I think he's trying to retool a couple things and not necessarily rebuild but still just be strategic uh with the players that they have and and still try to compete so i i think that they're definitely above 500 uh how how much better i, I don't know but i think they're certainly certainly in the mix all right well i know we won't uh, we won't know schedules for a little bit but uh we'll obviously kind of have to revisit that down the road having said that a lot has to do with jared goff because they didn't release jared goff they're 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 stuck with Jared Goff. They, they have yeah. a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money committed to Jared Goff. And so they need to figure out Jared Goff and what he needs to do to ascend to the next level. For sure. So conversely, let's talk about, uh, you know, so you, you think the Rams are rebuilding. Well, what about the Cardinals right now? Because the Cardinals, they're kind of getting a lot of love this offseason. So not only did they get a playmaker in DeAndre Hopkins, but they are beefing up their front seven defense. And, um, you know, they let Rodney Gutter go. He, uh, I believe he went to another team already. Uh, but it, his replacement, they signed a three-year, $30 million deal with nose tackle, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, who's from Buffalo. Extremely durable. I really like the move for that. And then they also gave depth to their linebacker corps. Um, you know, with Jordan Hicks and Hassan Riddick, Decent group, but they needed to get a couple more playmakers on their front seven. Uh, and they signed two linebackers, actually, uh, the last couple days. They signed Devin Kennard, a three-year deal from the Lions. And they signed uh, Devondre Campbell on a one-year deal from the Falcons. And all along, in the midst of that, they put the transition tag on Kenyon Drake. Meaning that um, you know other teams can certainly look to sign him to a long-term deal and whatnot. But... They have first right of refusal. They can match it. So, so that is what's going down in Cardinal Land. What's your take on these, the, you know, these moves? Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of those 
some of his pickups, obviously, um, kind of lesser known guys to kind of most common fan and such. But, you know, I think at this point, you know, they, they, they know that they want to build around Kyler Murray. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals, uh, were, I'd say, were better than their record was last last season, kind of conversely with the Seahawks, were worse than what the record was. Um, uh, you know, I think at this point, they, like I said, they're they're kind of going all in. Um, they they know what they have, and they're trying to support uh, their their best players uh, with more pieces. Yeah, and you know, they had around like thirty million dollars in cap space. I was kind of anticipating for them to make a couple moves to beef up the defense. Uh, I think that kind of similar to Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, for that matter. They have a good system in place with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, but they need better defensive players on the other side of the football to keep them honest. Are you, know? you are you surprised that Patrick Peterson hasn't been moved or wasn't moved? You know, it's been like a love-hate relationship with Patrick Peterson. He's gone up and down. His his play is, you know, obviously it's, it's um, I won't say it's bottom out, but it has decreased recently. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. They, they seem, at least as of now, they seem like on, on a good level with each other, both front office and, and player uh, aside. They seem okay. For sure. Yeah. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, they need to continue to beef up that front seven, the secondary. Actually, their whole defense needs a, a little bit of a, of a retool anyways. So, there's that. Um, you know, the Seahawks, uh, nothing too much in, in Seattle land. I mean, they they brought back their uh, their their former first-round pick in Bruce Irvin. Bruce Irvin, yeah. Yeah. They uh, they let George Fent, uh, their left tackle, go. They let um, actually Reese. Uh, no, no, he hasn't been signed yet. Too. Outside of that, I mean, they're they haven't done too much yet. Uh, anything else you're, you're hearing in Seattle? Land? Obviously, since you live in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I obviously haven't been in the office due to um, this current state of affairs with things, but um, I think that. You know, uh, letting Stan go might actually kind of be more of an issue than, they, than people think, just because their offensive line has been so spotty in the last few years. Sure. Um, so you know, it's one of those things that, that they kept saying. You know, during this after this after the season, I think they want to bolster the offensive line. They want to give Russ more protection, and then now they're letting, they're losing starting left tackle. So that's not a great start. Um, you know, they brought in. Uh, they brought in uh, Greg Olson, who's kind of obviously past his prime, but still serviceable. Uh, they have like five tight ends now for some reason. Um, you know, with Disley, he's coming back off injury. Uh, Jake, that uh, was the name, Luke Wilson, who probably won't make the team. Greg Olson, Jacob Hollister, um, probably some another another guy as well. So uh, it's, it's interesting moves for sure. I know. I think the biggest thing here is that there, people are wondering if they're going to be able to sign Clowney or not. Yeah, that remains a, a big, you know, like pending move because they they signed Jerron Reed to like a you know like a two year. He's getting like twelve million a year. Like it was a decent signing because he was showed a lot of upside a couple years ago. And then he got hurt, and so you know you, you keep, keep him on. He's he's twenty seven years old, uh, but you still need. I mean, you need two things this offseason. You need to protect your quarterback, and you need to get after the quarterback. And as of right now, uh, both sides are, are pending. Uh, what I will say about that is David Clowney wants $20 million a season. And I know if he were to get franchised, he would be due like 16 mil. So uh, free agency, you know, the market will bear itself. 
but he hasn't found any suitors that are willing to pay him 20 mil. Uh, do you think that's his markets or do you think, uh, you know, over under on the 20 mil? I mean, Clowney came in last year with a little, with pretty high expectations. Um, I think he's, he's kind of watched out of time with, with the Texans. He came in, I believe started 11 games for the Seahawks, but it was and in games when he was disrupted, you could really feel his presence, but then there were also a lot, a lot of games where, you know, he didn't, make a big impact based on that. So 20 million is a lot. Uh, I would say that's probably going to take the under on that. Okay. We'll see what happens. Uh, Cause I think obviously the Seahawks are going to allow him to, um, you know, do his thing and figure out something and maybe sign him after, but a lot of pressure for the Seahawks too, because they need to continue to, to have someone in like systems in place to keep it going. So, um, Speaking of systems in place, I know I mentioned that George Fant did go elsewhere. He signed with the Jets, uh, but conversely, it pretty much was a trade. I mean, they did make some moves for tackles. It's just more so the some of its parts versus having a really good tackle. Um, but they already have Dwayne Brown as their left tackle. They have, um, I mean, Jermaine Fetty right now, he, he's a free agent. But I guess they're going to try to go by a committee because they signed Cedric uh, Agabuhi, uh, who's a former first-round pick from the Bengals, they signed him like on a one-year, three million dollar deal. Uh, he's been a bust for the Bengals, uh, so they're trying to see some opportunity with that. They also signed from the Jets, uh, Brandon Shell, uh, and he's he's got a two-year, eleven million dollar deal. And so maybe they're going to have those two compete at the right tackle spots and keep Dwayne Brown at the left tackle. It doesn't really. Uh, I mean, it's not like. Huge, huge, but uh, and then they also signed another guard, BJ Finney from Pittsburgh. It's uh, it's a two year, nine and a half million dollar deal as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, some of its parts, it's not they're not big names, but it seems like they're trying to keep along enough depth to keep it going. Um, I don't know, I don't know, man, right? Yeah, who knows? I, I think that's kind of the joke that's with Seahawks fans here is you know, they you know. Pete Carroll and, and the management team, they kind of just, as long as they have Russ as their guiding light, they're just going to kind of make, make do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every game that ends within this, you know, within a two or three point kind of spread, it's always, always a nail biter. So I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things. I feel like Seahawks fans are just, they're happy they've got their one championship, finally worked out. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll keep them at least, uh, uh, satisfied for a few years. Keep in mind, though. I mean, this is just the start of free agency. They're being quiet for now. Uh, the best yeah, is true. You can say and the then, best is yet to come. You know, and that's what the Seahawks do, right? Traditionally, they 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 wait and they just kind of see what happens. They sign the lot. They they you know they want to see what's coming around with the draft as, as it gets closer, and they sign some guys. You know, and try to find some diamonds in the rough like DK Metcalf and, and others. So yeah, you got it. You got it. Last but not least. Your favorite team, Niners, San Francisco. So yeah. we already talked about you know DeForest Buckner and that trade and Eric Armstead yeah. staying with that. So yeah. you know, with that being said, they trade DeForest Buckner, so they have obviously. I think they got like another ten, twelve million dollars in cap space from that. Uh, so thus far, uh, they're they're starting to retain some of their players. So what they did after that was they signed. Jimmy Ward, their free safety, to a three-year, $28.5 million deal. So he's going to get paid right about around $9 million. 
Last year he made about four and a half, so you know obviously he gets a pretty competitive pay raise. Um, and then they retain Sean Coleman, their swing tackle, who was out for the year last year. They they cut Mike Person today, their their starting guard, which was kind of a surprise. But then they also signed Tom Compton, who was a uh, guard for for the Jets. So he's presumably going to compete at the uh, the starting guard spot. Maybe they'll draft someone, but. Uh, some interesting moves, and you know, by theory, with the re-signing of Jimmy Ward, they returned ten of their eleven starters on the defense. Now, their eleventh starter that they weren't able to retain is obviously DeForest Buckner, which is a huge part of that defense. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I I like the approach of retaining the core of your defense, and then at the same time, too, they kind of pivoted away from Person, and they went with a cheaper alternative at, at Compton. Maybe they're going to do something in the draft or maybe they have something else in the works. But it seems like Compton isn't necessarily guaranteed a starting position. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of kind of a wait-and-see approach. But, I mean, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on these moves? Yeah, again, kind of, kind of similar to the Cardinals. A lot of uh, kind of under-the-radar under the moves that, you know, I'm sure uh, John Lynch is, is happy with. Uh, you know, nothing too splashy yet. Um, you know, clearly – you know, when you're a Super Bowl team, you know, it's really fine-tuning what you have, right? We, you know, we have a group, you know, defense is what carried this team all of last season, and returning 10-11 is pretty damn good. Um, you know, obviously, the future is bright with with Bosa and with Armstead and, you know, uh, you know, Quan Alexander and a lot, of the, a lot of the other guys who came back at the end. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then, you know, obviously, there's... Those Brady rumors, and you know those are kind of squashed quickly by saying we're sticking with Jimmy. He's our guy. We paid him accordingly. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing they want to they should figure out is if they're, if they're going to keep Emmanuel Sanders or not. Because yes. I think he, he that was is my next someone, thing, man. That's perfect. Yes. Yeah, I, I, he is someone I definitely feel like they need to resign no matter what. But here's the thing, though. So Emmanuel Sanders, he made about ten mil last year. They can't afford to pay him ten mil, man. Like they have to give him like seven to eight. And I don't know what the market bears. I heard that the, the Cowboys were looking at him, maybe the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could obviously see why, uh, you know, depending on the number, but maybe the Ravens, uh, a, a mm-hmm. contending team that can give him a, a pretty competitive salary too. I don't know, man. He's He quickly became, he quickly rose and became – so now that – good one is gone, right? Or do we still have him? No, but if they release him uh, – yeah. They could save up some money. They restructured uh, Jerick McKinnon's contract. It's like a minimal yeah. deal now. I mean, they they have some they have some wiggle. I think the question is a couple of things. What is the number for Emmanuel Sanders to retain his services? And then conversely, for the other guy on their offense, who's like their best player, George Kittle, uh, what what money is he going to command for his extension? There's a couple of moving pieces right now with the salary cap and. What Emmanuel Sanders wants, what Kittle wants. I mean, yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's it's hard being a general manager, and that's why John Lynch had to, you know, upon re-signing Eric Armstead, that's why he had to uh, let go of DeForest Buckner. I don't know, man. Yeah, again, I th- I think that you know he's a guy, and obviously Kittle. You know, they're they know what they have in him, so they're gonna he's gonna get whatever. You know, I feel like Kittle also is going to be this guy who's not going to try to hold the team hostage and, you know, demand something crazy. But, you know, who knows? But um, those two guys, I think, are key to this offense. So we'll see, what the, we'll see what the market bears. Maybe if I'm the Niners, 
you know, with that 13th overall pick, they have some possible choices at Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, yeah. some really good yeah. receivers. So maybe they nab a top receiver with the 13th yeah. overall pick. And maybe they sign like an under the radar uh, free agent that's a veteran. They can go that approach too. I mean, you know, there's a couple ways to, to go about upgrading the, yeah. the wide receiver position. Yeah, like you said, this this is definitely a wide receiver uh, heavy draft. So if, if there's a year to do it, it'd be this year for sure. Um, I know they're still holding the draft, even though it's not going to be any any fans in attendance. Um, still kind of controversial since there's going to be a lot of people together. But you know, who know who knows what happens with that. Um, right. All right. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to kind of get your take. I don't know if you discussed on the last pod, but uh, so what it, what what was your reaction when you saw the, the Brady news? Oh, Tom Brady going to the Bucks? Yes. Uh, well, you know he's been in the league for twenty years, right? So, <laughs> having said that, I, I actually uh, reached out to one of, one of my friends who's a big Patriots fan, a season ticket holder, and I found out from him that this will be his first year not being a season ticket holder. And wow. Uh, I won't say maybe it's because of Brady, maybe not, but, you know, uh, he was a long-time season ticket holder, and I kind of jabbed at him saying, like, hey, yeah, he's, he's going to the Bucks. What the fuck, right? And he said, yeah, man, I, uh, you know, obviously I wish him the best, but uh, never in a thousand years would I have imagined this point where, you know, Tom Brady, for one, would be still standing and playing football, and number two, joining an- another team. Those are two variable. I mean, he's 45 years old, by the way. I, I think. Is he 45? I don't 40, know. 43. 43. Okay, he's 43 years old. I don't think anyone in their wildest imagination, uh, when he saw him, like, drafted seventh round out of Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. to f- fast forward right now in 2020 to, to still be playing football at a very high level. Uh, how high is that going to be? That remains to be seen. We can talk about that down the road. But with Tampa Bay, he gets Mike Evans, he gets Chris Godwin, he gets OJ Mayo. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, Bruce Arians, former Cardinals head coach, will be calling plays for uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a uh, yeah. I, I talked to one of my buddies. He's a huge. He's from New England. Huge Pats fan, and uh, it's one of those kind of surreal things. So, uh, you know, they were they're always floating out the rumors with. You know, the Bucks and Niners and uh, Chargers, I believe. Um, I think the Chargers were probably a close second, honestly, in this situation. Um, but, you know, um, the Bucks have some good wide receiver core there. You know, they, they Brady's likes to appeal to no state income tax, you know, all those other kind of other thing lifestyle things um you know it's just it's similar you know jo- joe montana or you know joe montana played the last two seasons in kansas city right it just looks weird uh you know the list goes on for all his legends um so you know his goal has always been to play to 45 so if this means he plays two years in uh in the whatever colors they are orange and brown or something for the bucks and so be it he's still going to be a patriot legend for life i will say this though for the tb12 brand uh he's going to south beach he's going to you know obviously the miami tampa bay area uh the taxes are pretty good man are, are mm-hmm. right that's that's what i understand yeah i mean that's why all those those pro athletes have houses second houses and such there because uh you know there's no, no state tax um but i will tell you because i've been to i know you've been to miami before haven't you and have you been to tampa bay uh, not Tampa Bay. I went to Miami for okay. Ultra Music Festival. Anywho, I would say I yeah. would say that 
Tampa, <laughs> it's a, more of a retirement sort of community, and a lot of places where place companies have a lot of conferences. Oh, and it's not okay. really the uh, the, ha- the happen in place versus uh, South Beach in Miami. So okay, so t- had, had he gone had he gone to the Dolphins, that might have been a little bit different. But I think he's uh, kind of beyond that and looking more for the best fit for his uh, services. I see, I see. So temper yeah. your expectations. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's not like it, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Chris Chris Bosco to Miami type of vibe, right? Uh, yeah, there's a good. I'm, I'm probably safe to say that could be any banana boat action uh, with uh, Tom Brady. So okay, okay. Well, it's been a good pod. We talked about all four teams so far. Into free agency, obviously things are subject to change. For all I know, when we end this pod and post this on Friday morning, uh, some shit will happen again, and that's just the nature of the NFL offseason. And I love it because it keeps me on my toes. And with every other sport being suspended, I love it. I fucking love it. Any other thoughts about this? Yeah. LFG baby. Let's go. LFG. So I don't know when OTAs are. I don't know. If things are going to get suspended uh, as things come along, but uh, for our loyal listeners, thank you so much for checking out the pod. Obviously, you can listen to this on iTunes or Spotify, but also check us out via Instagram at Just the West, Twitter at Just the West, and of course the blog www.justthewest.com. Camo, I really appreciate your time, man. Until next time, we out here. Wash your hands. Peace. Peace. Ha, ha, ha.